We used to... We used to be so weird. It's panicky. I haven't been very well, so I'm a bit behind on editing. So I thought that I would put out another outtake episode. This is a combination of outtakes from the last three episodes, including our Barbara Keating interview. There's a little snippet from that that was taken out as well, just because it was off topic. And that's pretty much the case with most of this stuff. It was just taken out for time because we got a little bit off topic. And I think it's still good and interesting stuff. So I hope that you enjoy it. The Pescatarian episode hopefully will be out within the next week. So let's say next Tuesday as the absolute latest, possibly before then. Uh, but we might just stick with the normal Tuesday. Okay, enjoy. Uh, but yeah, do you eat honey, by the way? Me? Uh, not very often, but yes, I don't have an issue with it. Why? Yeah, well, because I sometimes call myself vegan, even though I go back and forth on eating eggs. At the moment, I'm going through quite an extended phase where I am eating eggs, so I'm more calling myself an ovo-vegetarian. An ovo-vegetarian, sorry, not an ovo-vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... When I was eating honey, but nothing, like, not eggs or dairy, I would still call myself a vegan just for, like, ease, even though I Mm. technically wasn't. And I always thought that eating honey was fine and even good in terms of, like, supporting local beekeepers, which supports local pollinator populations, etc. But I believe there has been some recent research that has come out that shows that actually keeping bees is not beneficial necessarily to local pollinators i think they can even compete with like wild pollinators i I saw a story that marks and spencers were looking to release something like 30 million bees into the wild or something like that (laughs) that sounds like the beginning of a horror movie (laughs) (laughs) and um everyone was getting really cross with them because apparently that was going to be bad for the biodiversity and yeah I i didn't read the detail but um despite them trying to do a good thing by sending all these pollinators out, it was going to have the opposite effect, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, this stuff is so delicate, you can't just be ham-fisted about it. But yeah, so I I kind of made the decision to give up honey, and then I got some honey for Christmas, so I'm still eating it. But yeah, I'm kind of going back and forth on whether to continue eating honey at the moment. I definitely, I wouldn't buy supermarket honey for sure. Apparently a lot of it is fake anyway, because... Yeah. Fake honey? Well, I I guess they, like, add syrup to it to, like, thin it out or something, like the way you'd water down beer. Yeah, like, from speaking to beekeepers of my acquaintance, apparently there just aren't enough bees, there aren't enough hives to produce the amount of honey that the supermarkets are selling. So, See, I always wondered that, because mm. honey production for, like, 
I, I don't know the numbers, but I remember hearing something like thousands and thousands of bees to make like a teaspoon of honey or something ridiculous. Yeah. And, I, and I wondered how you can make that much honey that you can sell it Apparently you can't. <laughs> so That would make sense, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I um, guess if you get like really high-end stuff, it's probably more likely to be pure. I don't know. But yeah, I think from from what I gather, supermarkets are bulking it out with sugar or syrup or God knows what. Yeah. So there you go. Did not know that. It never even occurred to me to look at whether it's fake or not. I just well, I don't I know if they're it. even transparent about it. You know, like I think obviously, I guess it would be illegal for them to bulk it out with stuff and not disclose that. But mm. it seems like that is happening. So I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe I maybe I should keep my mouth shut because I don't really know. And it's, this is just stuff that I've heard <laughs> from beekeepers. Yeah, maybe <laughs> fake news, uh, <laughs> fake bee news. <laughs> but well, uh, hmm. this is what I hear on the grapevine, anyway. So, uh, sure, sure, there would have been a pun there better than grapevine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was <laughs> on, I was the, trying to think of that as well. On the honeycomb. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Something that, yeah. We can put that in later. (laughs) (laughs) Totally off topic, but talking about empathy for, I suppose, non-mammals. I was reading Mm. about um, empathy for robots. Yeah. um, And and the increase in social robots and how we're likely to develop bonds. Mm. And they had an example about a someone on a a soldier on a battlefield running out to save a robot who had been shot down i think it was a mine removing robot or something like that oh wow and just having that level of connection to even run out onto a battlefield yeah absolutely robot but so we've got a robot hoover (laughs) and it goes um which i must admit i wouldn't have bought for myself but it was a a 30th birthday present and um, it is super useful what Um, you're 30 oh my god (laughs) that's so old oh i mean 21 (laughs) (laughs) um but it it goes around and it bumps into things and yeah. you kind of feel this twang of empathy and like, oh no, oh, it's big it's, time. It's and, and then it goes, help, I'm stuck or something oh, like no. that. And it, oh, that breaks my heart. It, yeah. And it's just like a little robot hoover, but... Yeah. Well, listen, we're... we <laughs> feel for it. Definitely going to do at least a robot episode in the future, if mm. not several. So I think that we should save getting more in-depth on this discussion yeah. for then. But I did just today watch a new as of this recording uh, not when it comes out uh, Netflix movie called uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines oh I saw that's that's been reviewed in New Scientist I saw that today and I I've not seen it but I saw it and thought oh I should try and watch that Get, yeah go on, no, <laughs> I enjoyed it um well I mean there's a lot of stuff about robots and um empathizing with robots um friendships with robots relationships with robots um but there's also a scene with furbies and oh my god i absolutely Uh loved my furbies when i was a kid and if you held them upside down they would say like me scared and i could not bear to do it but i also am somebody i can't be mean to people in video games like i can't do it um (laughs) so it's yeah it's really interesting like the, the psychology behind that, which mm. is something we should definitely delve into in yeah, future. That, but let's get back to insect. Did you tell me that Disney are adjusting their films to, for both Western and Chinese audiences? So yeah, so I actually... Endings or something. It's not... They won't... That 
I'm not aware of them creating different endings, but um, certainly there are scenes um, that are cut out of certain international releases, um, sometimes in China, sometimes in Russia, uh, even in Singapore. Um, there was a scene that was um, censored from one of the Star Wars movies, Rise of Skywalker, I think, which was a same-sex kiss. Um, sometimes the dialogue that refers to same-sex relationships is dubbed over. Um, there, there was, in some of the Marvel movies, so it wasn't a different ending, but in one of the Mar- the Marvel movies, I think it was Iron Man 3, there were these really clumsily inserted scenes that were not in the Western release, but were only in the Chinese release, uh, where these Chinese characters came in out of nowhere and saved Iron Man. Um, and then also, one of them, one of the scenes that was inserted for the Chinese version was Iron Man drinking this really popular Mongolian milk drink. <laughs> Just like Mongolian product placement for the Chinese audience. From what I gather, the Chinese audience found this like totally transparent and ridiculous, like they weren't mm. taken in by it at all. Um, but yeah, for sure, like Disney, and obviously Disney owns Marvel, um, very much caught that international market. And China is the biggest um, audience in the world, you know, they're huge and growing. Mm. Um, yeah. And if you're a major studio and you need to make really expensive films, one of the places you're most likely to get that money back is China. So they absolutely cater mm. for the Chinese market. The Chinese censorship system is really um, opaque and um, keeps changing as well. So I think that they can sometimes be overcautious in what they cut out or um, kind of make easily excisable for the Chinese uh, market as well, which is one potential reason why the queer content in Disney movies is so extraneous and sort of Mm. easily either cut out or dubbed over. Right, that's interesting. Mm. Not great, but interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think that that's not to say that chi- that in China they always censor queer content, because they don't. Um, but it's just that because they don't really have, like, a, a clear set of things that they will and won't censor, um, Disney self-censors in advance. Um, right. So. Hmm. But the the thing about... Oh, man, I'm really getting off track here, but I wrote a whole thing about this. So in China, they don't have age-restricted um, certificates. Oh, really? Yeah. And this was true in the US um, up until the 60s or 70s as well. And that was during the period of the Hays Code. So the argument was every single film has to be um, basically what we would think of as being a PG uh, because it has to be suitable for all audiences because we don't have age restrictions. And that's the argument in China as well. Or at least last I heard, they still don't have uh, age certificates. And mm, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, well, that was what what completely like um, changed the movie industry in the States was when they brought in um, age ratings instead of this Hayes Code. Yeah. It just completely changed everything. Um, I can imagine. Anyway, back to insects. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think everybody everybody wants to think that they're doing their bit, 
but when it actually comes to doing anything, I mean, you know, like, people talk about, like, not eating meat one day a week, you know, the meatless Mondays thing. I mean, Mm. to me, I I can't believe that people are eating meat six days a week. That seems like so much. But, But for them... The idea of going without meat for 24 hours is a big gesture. You know what I mean? And, Mm. you know, I know lots of people who probably think of themselves as basically wanting to do the best thing for the environment, but they still drive, or they still eat Mm. meat, or they still... Well, I mean, I I don't want to say put the heating on because i mean i'm very parsimonious about the heating but generally i do think people should have warm enough houses and i'm not gonna like yeah. like shame anybody for, health for that reasons. for health reasons exactly like i keep my house a little bit too cold if anything and i should probably stop doing that so that i don't die but mm. <laughs> but like you know yeah i mean i i think that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak a lot of the time i, I was talking to someone a bit about this the other day and how i, I really think that although there's lots of aims and goals and targets like net zero by 2050 that kind of thing but i still don't feel there's like a clear strategy that comes from the government and mm. I think, oh yeah absolutely on, i not, think the government is terrible for this but like I, they're I a conservative government so but I, I don't get the impression with any I, I i just keep comparing it to the communications that have and coronavirus handling has obviously not been perfect but (laughs) the communication to say the least but the communication everybody knows hands face space everybody got that but yet nobody knows like if you ask anybody in the street what's the most important top three things you should be doing to fight climate change you personally or day to day i don't think many people could tell you and it should be crystal clear that the strategy should be so clear and the, should be communi- from the government and then should be so well communicated that everybody knows oh. I should be do- thinking about heat, mm. meat, feet. Less heat, less meat, walking by foot more often. Everybody should be super, super clear. Or cycling. Cycling's good too. Yeah, and any low carbon <laughs> travel. But it's just... It, it's not, Skateboarding. It's not Skateboarding, roller skating. <laughs> uh, I don't know what other... <laughs> well... <laughs> it's those scooters... We've, scooters. in uh, in Tune, in the Tune, Newcastle, um, they've started popping up with these orange scooters. It's kind of like the, the city bike type thing, where right. you like put in your car details and you rent them and you can scoot around. Um, <laughs> these big orange things. I mean, I haven't tried them, but I keep seeing people whizzing around on these, on these massive orange scooters, uh, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, it's funny know. how scoot- like I remember micro scooters coming out when yeah. we were like ten. But before that, I don't remember people going around on scooters. And since and now, you see loads of people scooting everywhere. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't really get it. Like to me, it seems because they have such tiny wheels. Yeah, to me, it seems like way more annoying than cycling. Like you have to constantly be like putting one foot on the ground. I mean, I think with these these. <laughs> big orange one. That ones. sounds so inconvenient. <laughs> no, but like that's so, but it's it is. It's so much slower <laughs> and more clumsy than than cycling. I guess it must be the fact you can fold them up and take them in a building. But yeah, well we this this is a super long episode. We did get off track a little bit to be fair, but we can but probably cut some of We it can probably <laughs> well can we though? I mean, it's all oh, gold. It's all gold. <laughs> Everyone will love listening to that. <laughs> it's banter, man. It's great. Everybody loves banter. Bants. Okay. We don't have <laughs>
so welcome everybody to episode five, uh, which is possibly called Biodiversity, but it might be called Let's Be Friends, or it might be called Don't Worry, Be Happy, or it might be called something else, we don't know. And we're going to talk all about pollinators, mostly bees, and a little bit about biodiversity. And I believe that unless we end up doing our cannibalism bonus episode, which I'm pushing for, uh, <laughs> this is going to be the last in our series. And then we're going to be moving on to a new topic. Well, first of all, we're going to do we're going to do probably a little roundup episode once episodes have started airing. If we get any feedback, if we get any correspondence, or if complaints, we want complaints exactly. <laughs> if we get any corrections, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Or, you know, just anything that we want to add at the end where we feel like maybe we um, slipped up anywhere once we listen back to the episodes or, you know, we just want to correct the record. It's unlikely. (laughs) I think it's very likely (laughs) that uh, that we all just want to make a few tweaks. But... um, but yeah, so there the may well be just like a roundup episode right at the end, but this is going to be the final like topic episode for this series, unless we do cannibalism. So I think this clip just needs a little bit of setup, which is that we had just been talking about monkeys as pollinators, and Ashley said that she hadn't thought about it before, but now that she thinks about it, it totally makes sense. Uh, and I had this to say. But yes. What does it make sense? Because what are they doing? Are they like playing with the flowers? How exactly does it work? I had a little look, but I didn't go into too much detail. My understanding was it was kind of from getting it, brushing up against flowers, I guess, getting okay. fruits and things like mm. that, and mm-hmm. then spreading the pollen. They're, they're always in the okay. trees, aren't they? They're just spreading <laughs> the tree stuff everywhere. <laughs> that's, that's a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hanging around in the trees, spreading the pollen. I've seen monkeys that weren't in trees. <laughs> are they monkeys or apes <laughs> no they were monkeys i know the difference how dare you have you never seen the show monkey thieves where they hang out no. in the streets of india stealing things <laughs> it's very fun. it's a great okay. show no all right carry on carry on, carry on. i'll trust you on that um, i think it's okay, a water so, yeah. bear by Lots. the way monkey thieves oh really yeah i, I will i will log in and check it's that a really out. good show That's interesting. I know. Mm-hmm. I know about Demeter in that. Well, I don't know if that's how you say it or if it's Demeter. I've never known. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not correcting you. I genuinely. Oh, well, have I no don't idea. know now. But she is the mother of Persephone, and she's the one who goes and bargains with Hades to get Persephone uh. out of the underworld. Depending on which version of the story you subscribe to, it's uh, a Caroline Duffy poem about her in oh, really? one of her collections. I forget which, but it's the one that I studied for A level. Or was it GCSE? Mm-hmm. I literally can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, but yes, uh, I think that was the first time I came across her. I really love Greek mythology. I listened to a mm. whole audiobook on it, which I loved. And I listened to it three times. And yet I still can't get the names into my head yeah. to kind of remember who did what. I think um, that's the thing with audiobooks. What always mm. helps me is if I have if I can see it written down and hear it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that's how I really retain it. Whereas if I see Maybe it written down... Maybe I have to buy the book. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know how you say it. If I only see it written down, if I only heard it said, I can't quite get it into my memory until yeah. I see it. I think my other problem is I listen to them when I'm going to sleep, so I kind of oh yeah, I'll, I do that I'll be well. I'll be really enjoying it, but then come morning, I can't remember what I've heard because yeah, I've I gone to sleep to. So that doesn't help. <laughs> 
It's snail like, slime now, right? Is that the new thing? Is that, I, think I was going to say micellar water, or well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't and know if that's argan oil. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know, know about if micellar water is a fad as much as it's just like a new type of cleanser. But, yeah, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't really know. I, really <laughs> I just use rose water. I get food oh, grade like rose the Parisians. water, and then I use that. I use moisturizer as well. And sometimes yeah. I cleanse if I've been wearing um, makeup or if I've got really dirty. But usually I just use rose <laughs> water and then some moisturizer. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good for, for toning your skin, isn't it? Anyway, rose I think water, we're going a bit off track really, with yeah, the cosmetics. Yeah, we have a little bit off track. <laughs> anyway. I think the last two points on my list are not that relevant, but I'm going to mention them anyway for the sake of completism before I hand back over to you. <laughs> Okay. So one is an Arrested Development storyline about bees, where Job tries to become a beekeeper after mishearing his sister's idea for a bead business, <laughs> but his uh, his colony suffers collapse, sadly. But are you, I don't know how um, familiar you are with Arrested Development, but there's a very famous line where Lindsay says something about beads, and, uh, and Job goes, bees? She goes, beads. And he says, beads. <laughs> and it's enjoyable. And then later on, he tries to take some bees into the prison when he visits his dad. And then the guards get upset. And his mother's like, they don't allow you to have bees in here. Uh-huh. It's a really great line reading. And I didn't do it justice. But anyway. And then I, I like about- Arrested Development. I saw the, saw the first series. But I think, I think there's another one, isn't there? There are five. Oh, there are five? There are five. There were three that were on Fox, and then there were two on Netflix. Everybody says the fourth yeah. one is bad. I actually quite like it. Um, oh, considering I've only seen the first series. No, yeah, I, I started watching the fifth one, and I stopped that, because I really didn't enjoy that. But I did actually oh. like the fourth one. It oh, basically, okay. like, they couldn't get everybody together to film at the same time, so they did this quite innovative thing where they would, like, filmed everybody's storyline separately and had them, like, running parallel to one another in the different episodes. So it was kind of right. like a Rashomon thing. And a lot of people really didn't like that, but I actually thought it was kind of cool. But I have one last bee thing, which is just on uh, bees in superhero media. I don't know if you saw One Division at all, but there was a scene in I've One. I've heard a lot about it. Haven't we all? Yeah, I mean, I did watch it, but whatever. I wouldn't recommend it. But there's there's a scene where a in her imagination, it's a beekeeper that like emerges from a drain, which oh. I think. Uh, it's actually like an agent, like a shield agent, or not shield, whatever the other one is now. But I, it possibly is a reference to advanced ideas mechanics. So there's like an Avengers enemy, which is a group called advanced ideas mechanics, not in the movies, but in the comic books. And they wear these suits that everybody always says look like beekeeper suits. And they were okay. in like Avengers Academy. They're like quite a common enemy in the Avengers video games and stuff. Because you don't have to do a lot. You can just like put three of the same character design down and you don't have to vary them at all because they're all wearing suits. So I think it's just really cheap to do. <laughs> but there's also in Doom Patrol, which is my favourite superhero TV show. Is that like Paw time. Patrol? Uh, I've never seen Paw Patrol. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, it's about, it's kind of like an X-Men ripoff. And it's about these like reject superheroes who all live together in a big house. And one of them is Rita Farr, and she had an mm. accident on a film set, and now she, her bodily integrity <laughs> doesn't really hold together. Whenever she gets stressed, she starts to melt. <laughs> um, 
and lovely yeah and in one storyline in the in doom patrol she becomes the beekeeper because she gets a small part as beekeeper in a community theater production and she goes she like takes it really really seriously and she's like doing a whole method thing and she goes to see a local beekeeper to ask advice and then she's walking home one day in her beekeeper outfit from the play and she happens across a mugging and she foils the mugging and then she becomes the beekeeper which is her superhero um, identity. I I love that show. I re- I adore Doom Patrol and like I always thought that I was a Marvel person and not a DC person and then I started watching Doom Patrol and I was like screw Marvel. I'm all about DC now. I love it. It's got Timothy Dalton in it. It's got that other guy. It's got these guys in it from other guys from the thing. Who what's the name of the guy who was George of the Jungle? Don't know. Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Brendan <laughs> Fraser is in it. Um, Matt Bomer? Yeah, Matt Bomer. That's the guy's name. And then Rita Farr, I can't remember the name of the actor, but she was in, <sighs> I think it was called Drop Dead Diva. I'm going to stop talking now because I'm talking <laughs> about Doom Patrol and not bees. And I'm going to hand it over to you. And oh, okay. you're going to tell us about how you can help the pollinators. Action points. Let's <laughs> okay, do it. Okay, well, you just threw that back at me. I'm there. so sorry. <laughs> I just got really excited to I'm thinking about all Doom about Patrol superheroes now. I love I'm not it sure so I much. <laughs> I love Doom Patrol so much, but, um, but we can stop. Yeah. I can edit that out, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, see, how, see how we feel. Now, can I just ask you something, Ashley? And yes. um, I don't want to completely throw us off in a completely different direction right when we're wrapping up the Is episode. Is it about Doom Patrol again? No, it's about native plants. Because uh, I've been hearing okay. some mixed things about this. I follow a guy called um, James Wong. Um, on Twitter and he is oh god is he a horticulturalist or a botanist I think he's a horticulturalist (laughs) but I can't 100% remember what the difference is between those two things but but he was talking about native plants and he was saying that sometimes there's some mythologizing that goes on around native plants and then there was somebody else that I saw who I think is Irish, but I'm sure the same applies for, you know, the UK, who was talking about how a lot of these native wildflower mixes actually are misleading, that they're not necessarily native plants or the concept of native plants maybe gets stretched a little bit. So I'm just wondering, Mm. what is it about native plants that makes them better? Is it because the bees themselves feed on them better? Is it because they grow better in our soil? Is it just the idea that they're not invasive? That's all very good questions that I'm not exactly sure of the answer. My assumption is that bees species that are local and native to us are have evolved to work with plants that are native to us and Mm. therefore if we start planting foreign species which may be all well and good they may not have the same nutrients or structure to them which allows our native bees to feed from them but i could be wrong yeah no (laughs) i mean that was kind of my assumption as well but then i was i was just kind of wondering whether that's actually definitely the case or whether Mm. it's a bit more maybe we can find out and add that back in or or us barbara (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or maybe we can um, we we can come back to that in our roundup episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll try and yeah. figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out, but my best knowledge at the moment is native wildflowers are a good thing for our native bees. So whatever's native to you, try and cultivate those. 
Um, but I don't know exactly what we're going to be talking about next. I mean, hopefully we'll do our roundup episode. If not, I'll edit out all of the mentions that may made to it. Let's just do it. Let's just make it easier on me. And <laughs> um, I, maybe we're going to do our cannibalism episode. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. We'll see if there's demand for it. Um, you know what? I'm When this episode comes out, um, I will put it to a vote and we'll see what yeah. kind of response we get, whether people Let's do it that way. want us to do a cannibalism episode. I think it would be fun. Um, but anyway, then we'll be moving on to a whole new series and a whole new topic and a whole new worlds to explore and adventures to have. Um, so we'll it might include time travel. Oh boy, will it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna. They're all kinds or of cloning. Things. It's. I mean, or maybe mermaids. Maybe mermaids. Maybe mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe maybe or unicorns or terraforming. Whew. There's so oh, the list goes on. Much to talk about, and we will get to all of that and more. Or none of that. Who knows? I don't know <laughs> what's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, maybe the world will end. I don't know. But anyway. Uh-oh. Uh, fingers crossed it won't fingers crossed we will get to at least some of that stuff before the mass extinction event kills us all uh, right thanks and on that thanks note that. <laughs> let's wrap it up thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time ashley whatever you're dropping on the desk just just stop oh now. sorry that's my chair <laughs> <laughs> all right it's squeaky but okay. we're, we're done now right we're anyway done now. Because... we've wrapped up Well, I did I know a thing mean, on, yeah. on birdsong once, and, um, and we, we, we got some help from uh, Queen Mary College, and they tested, um, you know, because it was, it was uh, like Shazam for birds. We, we, this oh, wow. friend and I were the first ones who came up with it. Oh, my God. Is that, a, re- is that a thing that's available? Because I've I been looking for that. that. Well, QMC students did actually do a version of it. We, we, we dropped out. We were, you know, we weren't party to the next bit of it for various reasons. Um, but they did go on and develop something. But uh, uh, I think it would take a long time for the machine learning to learn all the distinctions yeah. and birds have accents and things. <laughs> but they did all these tests because we were wondering what people would just have in their pocket to record stuff with. And it turns out that the iPhone headphones came out pretty well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you just recording. said accents. It just occurred to me. Do, do birds have regional accents? Mm-hmm. Do you do, get a yeah. variation? Do they? Yeah. No way. I don't know if bees do. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably harder. Yeah. harder to I, I know that. cows do. And do now they? that you say it, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that birds did, but it absolutely makes sense. That's so interesting. I'm yeah, terrible. I've got, I've got a lovely um, kind of colony of um, bird visitors and my garden um and occasional rats which my oh. neighbor is really unhappy about because <laughs> yeah. the rat gets attracted to the, the bird table not the yeah. bird feeder but um but yeah i get loads and loads of birds in my garden which is amazing um but i'm so bad about identifying them i'm getting a little bit better about identifying them by sight because i'm trying to learn mm-hmm. but the song is it's still so hard and it's like it's you can't well, I mean, obviously, this is why the whole Shazam idea is such a good idea, is you can't really search for a bird song because how do you describe it, you know, when you're trying to look it up? Yeah, yeah, because you can play through a lot of them, so you have to have a, a sort of ballpark idea of what the bird is, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah, the, the, there, are, there are quite a lot of resources, and uh, I've just been re-listening to um, Melissa Harrison's Stub and Light of Things again. I don't know if you've caught up with that, but it's a, a no. nature podcast. And she started doing it um, during the first lockdown. <clears throat> and it just happened to coincide with that. So it was a real kind of comfort. 
and she was just doing walks from her home but also she had you know guest people recorded as well mm. but she was talking about that and she was saying well 10 years ago she didn't know any birds at all yeah living mm. in central london and then she moved out to Pigeon. <laughs> yes exactly we all know cuckoo that's it. <laughs> so she'd uh, yeah so she she was saying oh I don't, you know everybody starts off with this oh I'm, you know it's too daunting to learn them all but you just learn one or two a year because mm. you know they're not going anywhere too fast <laughs> and you've got a long, you've got a lifetime of something to do yeah oh that's such a good idea and it's called the stubborn light of things the, the podcast is yeah she's lovely oh, she's on twitter out. as well she's great yeah yeah i'll i'll look that up later it's very gentle and there's there's bits of nature writing and poetry and stuff so you get oh, introduced to a lot of other wonderful writers through oh that. brilliant yeah, yeah. I do have a sort of childlike excitement when I see Birds of Prey still, and I still oh, only, yeah. still don't know the difference between any of them. I, I think I might recognise buzzards now and red kites, but, that, but that's kind of about it. I very rarely see them. I mean, I think you, you mostly see them over the motorway, don't you? And because I don't drive, I think that's one of the reasons I don't see it. When I was a kid, I saw a wood pigeon get snatched off our oh lawn uh, in one of the few houses I lived in that had a lawn back then. Um <laughs> I, yeah, I saw I saw a wood pigeon get snatched by some kind They're of big. hawk or something. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and it was re- I, I had such mixed feelings about it because it was incredibly mm. exciting, but also kind of horrible to see. <laughs> yeah, to see nature in action because you yeah. see it on the telly or you hear about it, and then when it's in your garden, it's yeah, a bit different. yeah. We get we get um, we get red kites here. We also get buzzards. That's about you know. So I, I know kestrels and red kites and buzzards. That's, that's about all I know. So there you have it. That's the episode for this week, and I do hope that you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow us at the Most Scale on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at the Most Scale at gmail dot com, and. In the next episode, we'll be talking about pescatarianism, and that should be out in the next seven days. Bye!